Welcome to a new season of Babelfish, the podcast where non-believers share their life stories. In this week's episode, I talk to two humanists in Australia. First, I talk to Murray. We talk about him growing up as a Methodist and how he fell out of religion. We also talk about religious teaching in schools and same-sex marriages. Then I talk to John. We talk about science and skepticism. We talk about him being pushed away from Christianity towards humanism. I would like to thank my Patreons, Happy and Nina Peterson. Thank you so much for your support. Hello and welcome to today's podcast episode. I'm in Sydney talking to Murray. Maybe you can present yourself. Hello, I'm Murray Love. I'm the president of the Humanist Society in New South Wales in Sydney. And, um, well, um, I can talk to you today about personal Yeah, your personal journey to become but, a non uh, As you may know, um, humanist societies have a lot of different ideas and, and uh, some disagreements, so mm-hmm. I won't be speaking for the humanist society in general. No, but I'm interested in hearing your own life story on how you became a humanist. All right. Yeah, if you can share it with, with us. Okay. Well, I was brought up in the Methodist Church, okay. which has now joined with the Presbyterian Church and formed what's called the Uniting Church in Australia. But in my time, it was called the Methodist Church. And uh, it was a little bit of a socially liberal church. My parents were both very much involved. My father had tried out being a uh, professional minister of the church, but uh, he had uh, given up on that. But he remained what they called a lay preacher. So he would be on a roster of preachers uh, and would um, uh, maybe once every month or two would would uh, deliver the uh, the service and mm-hmm. the sermon and so forth. And my mother came from several generations of Methodists and I think they got married because they were both Methodists or something. And um, my mother had learned music and she would play the church organ on a roster. Okay. So, uh, so I have had days <laughs> when I'm sitting in church and my father is in the pulpit and my mother is in the organ. So yeah. uh, not, not very often, but maybe once every year or two that would happen. And um, so you can see that, that I felt very involved in that, in that church and, and went through what they called Sunday school and eventually became a Sunday school teacher. Okay. And then, and I got confirmation, which was just a new thing they were trying out and it wasn't taken too seriously. Uh, and shortly after that, I drifted away. You drifted away. <laughs> the, the church because I got older. Yeah. And so they, they had me till I was about the... 14. Oh, okay. And then, then I was getting less convinced of it. What happened... I think, of course, memory over all these years can get can get mm. uh, distorted. But I have a distinct memory of being asked to give myself to God when I was about fourteen. Okay. Yeah. And thinking, well, why wouldn't you give yourself to God? He's the 
he's the master of the universe yeah. and why wouldn't you be on his side? And so, uh, you know, you do your, these things with your eyes closed and reverentially. And so I gave myself to God, mm -hmm. but I didn't feel him taking me. Ah, okay. <laughs> I didn't feel any response. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I didn't feel my heart strangely warmed, as uh, John Wesley said. I felt nothing at all. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I expected to feel something. Yeah, of course. And so that, that, was, that was the mo moment when doubt crept in. And, uh, and so I, I, ju I just got less uh, involved and then sort of said, no, I've got to give these things up because I'm in the last years of high school and I need to study, which was a good excuse. So I stopped, <laughs> I stopped doing Sunday school teaching and being the treasurer of the Sunday school and things like that. And then when I got to university, and I saw lots of people there that mm -hmm. didn't believe. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I thought everybody believed. And, and, so it and was there the wasn't first any time other choice. Really and I just people. discovered, yeah. I thought, it's oh, a possibility. you don't have to. It's yeah. a possibility not to believe. Yeah. And, and a lot just slipped away at that time. Okay. But I, I remember uh, I was about... 29 years old and I was walking along going to the railway station and I felt like all belief in God slipped away. Okay. Even though I had been technically a non-believer for more than 10 years, there's a lot that's just invested in your mind and things mm. like that. And I'd kind of experimented a bit with Eastern religions and things like that. So it took a long time to just give up the idea that there was a, um, another side to the mm. universe, as it were. Now, um, my father was a strong dualist. He, he sort of thought there's mind and matter. and He okay. didn't talk about spirit and matter. He would talk about mind, mind and matter. Okay. So I was deeply convinced that, that there were two separate worlds of, of mind and matter. So that, that was then another long stage of, of getting out of that. Mm -hmm. And another long stage was even after God had gone, I had been so invested with all these stories and images about Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so the idea of Jesus as a heroic figure, and everyone makes Jesus their own heroic figure. Yeah. And so I would buy the... Jesus as the rebel and yeah, the okay. social justice warrior, as it Many were. do. Yeah. Yes. So, and then that, that really took quite, a, oh, that took decades to go. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then I eventually adopted the position that Jesus probably didn't exist. And, and then understood that, you know, everyone's got their own Jesus and that's a bit suspicious, isn't yeah. it? And uh, then uh, I thought, that Christianity was generally fading away by itself. Okay. And then we all saw the, uh, the Reagan government and so forth. Uh, yeah. And, and then we saw, uh, oh, I've forgotten the name of that fellow that had his own university and so forth. He died, well, he's died quite a long time ago now. And uh, anyway, there are these Americans that uh, were very influential and Christian. And uh, we were getting hints of this in Australia, though Australia is nothing like as bad as America in this regard. 
But you had some of it still. Oh, Hints of it, yes, went, yeah. but much on much smaller scale. Okay. You had you had not so much influential preachers as just a general sense of influence. Mm. And what happened was that I had children, and uh, they went to the local primary school. And I found at the local primary school there was the librarian and several teachers, and the the principal mm -hmm. had. Uh, Christian leanings and we went to a school carols by candlelight which is a little ritual we have in Australia at Christmas time okay. where people bring along a candle although they often bring now an artificial candle because of bushfires yes. <laughs> and um, they, they sing the Christmas carols. Now I was expecting them to sing some of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer yeah. and Jingle Bells, Jingle mm. Bells and these other very famous English language Christmas carols or Christmas songs and they didn't. No. They didn't even sing songs like Away in a Manger that was a very popular sort of song that, that we liked, that we liked the sound of and it taught the children. Uh, they had songs that were from a new, newish Christian songbook, songs oh. that you didn't know, songs that you needed to have the lyric sheet there. So for. it wasn't even and you old didn't songs. Know the tune. Or no, it was, it was not songs. familiar songs. Oh, okay. They were very Christian songs, and they were songs you really had to be going to uh, the same church that the people who picked the songs oh. was doing to even know what the tune was to sing. So that was a very dismal end of the first year at school, and. Uh, and then we found a lot of, we found our daughter coming home asking us questions about Christian mm -hmm. matters. And we'd, we'd put her in, we'd said we didn't want her going to the religious instruction class, so we wondered how this was happening. And she said in the morning school assembly, they were being taught this song. And this song was a, a very Christian song, uh, <laughs> without being a terribly familiar traditional song, again. And they, they taught the whole school this, um, this song and then they had a special Easter assembly and invited the parents along and this Easter uh, um, assembly, which is like the, 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 class, the whole school gathered together in the first thing in the morning, uh, would, would sing the Christian songs and they would have a a Christian uh, preacher come along and give a little address and things and uh, we were quite shocked mm. that this, this was happening at a, a state school and we complained with the principal and he was rather shocked that we complained and uh, we had to complain again with some other other things but anyway um, well their, their treatment their solution was always to exclude the, the secular person rather than to make the whole school secular. Yeah. So we then had to reinforce our children to, uh, to understand that this. And uh, um, anyway, that, that, it was that experience that aroused some militancy in me about, <laughs> about uh, religious oppression, as it were. Yeah. And um, I must admit, 
in about 1999, I looked at the, the website of the Humanist Society of New South Wales and I was very unimpressed. They hadn't, <laughs> hadn't put a lot. So I kind of thought, oh, well, they're not much good. So I just sort of uh, just let the issue go for a while. Mm. And then uh, when Meetup, the, the Meetup software started on the internet, it was a Meetup uh, social... Uh, social media, mm -hmm. I think, yes. And it, there was a, a group called Sydney Atheists and I just happened to be sitting at my computer in about 2008 mm. and typed in the word Sydney and Atheists and actually got an answer. Yeah, okay. I, I think I'd typed it every couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> to see <laughs> if anything for, came up. For a while and then <laughs> suddenly something came up. Yeah. So I joined this group called Sydney Atheists and John was at that time this friend of mine, John, was at that time the, uh, the president of the Humanist Society mm. and he was coming along to uh, the Sydney Atheist meetings and there were some other people that I met and I still wasn't convinced of the humanism thing. But then I, was, <laughs> I started running a book club within the Sydney Atheist and John would come along, this friend of mine, John, would come along to that and... Um, well, I just noticed that he was taking things more seriously than some of the others. Okay. So I thought, well, I'll go along and look at the humanists and have a go. And then, uh, so I just signed up for the humanists for one year to, to try it out. But it was just at the time that uh, there, were, there were people around, because the Humanist Society of New South Wales had assets, owned a building and had some money, and there were people who had infiltrated the society uh, and uh, were being very charming and showing a great interest, but their actual plan was to take over the society and okay. gain control of its assets. And I came along just at the time as all this came to light mm -hmm. because they made a grab for power and people managed to fight them off over a long period of time but because I was a f I'd come in and I was friends with John the president um, I got invited onto the committee in about one year of being here <laughs> because they needed people they could trust to okay. uh, to uh, try and keep these other people out so that's how I got involved in the committee mm -hmm. now at the same time uh, the Sydney Atheist Meetup was on this Meetup social media. I hope people have heard about that. It uh, had well, it had some conflict problems that I was working on, but also there was a humanist Meetup that was not doing a great deal. And another friend of mine within the the Sydney Atheist group said, "Well, look, you've joined the humanists." Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm getting nowhere with this humanist meetup. Do you want to take it over? And I said, oh, all right, I'll give it a go. So I then had control of the humanist meetup in Sydney. And I thought, well, I'm on the humanist committee. So I went to the humanist committee with a proposition and said, well, I've got control of the humanist meetup. Why don't you sponsor me? Mm. Give me a meeting place. And then they also paid the, the fees. And, 
And so I began regular monthly meetings of this meetup. And so I had to think up themes <laughs> for the meetup. So I started exploring themes like life, life liberty and the pursuit of happiness and uh, um, uh, enlightenment and um, just I just had to think mm. up a theme every month. Now, what I found with Meetup is that there's a very big turnover. So you would hardly get the same people coming along every time. Yeah. So my, my real desire was to get a regular group of people and to take them through different dimensions of thinking about philosophy and life. Mm. I did like existentialism and a whole lot of other things. And, and we would develop and we would become a humanist, a, more, a, a young new humanist mm. community. <laughs> yeah. And that didn't succeed enough because people just came along to the, the theme that interested them and didn't come to the other oh, themes. Okay. And they weren't interested in expanding into a, a mm. humanist. They just picked, picked out things they liked. But I was preparing something every month. Mm. Yeah that I hoped would bring together a humanist. So I, I ended up converting myself <laughs> into yeah. a, a more broad kind of humanist. Okay. So um, I, then, I then did identify as a humanist and, okay. and got less and less involved with the atheists and more and more involved with the humanists. Mm -hmm. And um, unfortunately, this high turnover of actual people who come along is still a problem, but the, Sydney, the, the what we call now the New South Wales Humanist Meetup has now grown to 2,200 people. Okay. So it's the biggest thing in Australia with the name with the mm. word humanist in its oh, name. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but the number of people uh, you can rely on is is quite small. Okay. <laughs> uh, but I think it's it it keeps me optimistic that mm. that there's 2,200, and because in Meetup, they take off people who lose interest. Okay. People can resign. So it's not like you accumulate a lot of people who've lost interest. No, oh, okay. They are people who've chosen not to disconnect. Yeah. So they still retain some interest. Oh, okay. And if they, they leave the country and whatever, they, they're cut off. And Meetup organises that. So uh, it's not just a building up to 2,000 mm. people. It's it's building up slowly because there's some coming in and some going out yeah. all the time. Oh, okay. So it's, it's in some ways a reliable figure mm. of the number of people in Sydney that care about social media and that like to have at least the humanist meetup yeah. on their list of meetups. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so they, are, they are attracted in some way mm. by the humanism identity. Yeah. So... I then, when I get the time, because I've got a lot of other jobs, I, I will look through the interest mm. that they put. So I'm, I'm, I'm sort of in a small way trying to study what there is. And mm. I'll find those interests very varied. And some will have the word humanism in their interests, and, and a lot don't. A lot of them will have spirituality in their interests and things okay. like that. So I'm... I'm of the view that the future growth of humanism may need us broadening out mm. to include 
at least some of those people that like to call themselves spiritual but not religious, mm -hmm. uh, or people who may have a few funny ideas but are generally uh, of a rational disposition. Okay. In fact, I don't know anyone who hasn't got a few funny ideas. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, mm. uh, I'm trying to broaden out the appeal. Okay. Uh, but it is difficult because there's a particular group of people that, that have been around for a long time and they have a particular way of viewing humanism mm. and uh, they, they are not necessarily welcoming as much as I want them to be of, of this wider variety of people. Okay. So that's a bit disappointing. But anyway, yes, the way I got into humanism, the way I got into non-religion was I just sort of fell out of religion. You fell out of religion. And the yeah. way I got into humanism <laughs> was that I accidentally converted myself through, through running, <laughs> running a few dozen humanist meetups. Yeah. And, uh, and, but how, and how is it to be a non-believer humanist in Australia? Well, um, in most ways, it's, it's not that bad. But um, there's a very disturbing tendency for uh, particularly Christianity to become quite uh, political. Okay. Um, there are some churches that don't get involved in it. It, it is a lot to do with these new... Um, well, we say fundamentalist, or you could say evangelistic, or you could say you could say those that have the prosperity gospel, mm. or uh, the charismatic, or the Pentecostal. We have a Pentecostal prime minister in Australia at okay. the moment, yeah. and um, so these groups in particular, but uh, they will pull in perhaps groups like the Baptists and uh, uh, maybe some of the, the recalcitrant Presbyterians or, or something, but particularly Baptists and Assembly of God and all these kinds of things. Mm. And uh, they have a lot of influence on the, the right-wing party in power in Australia. And we had a, a kind of uh, plebiscite a couple of years ago over whether we wanted to bring in equal marriage for gay people mm. and lesbian people and and the plebiscite was successful and the legislation was brought in but there were a lot of uh, religious people in the governing party that were upset about it particularly because they set up a system instead of just simply seeing that the survey showed the majority of Australians supported mm. it and they just put it through, they insisted on having this plebiscite, thinking, I, I think, that they would win it. Uh, and the plebiscite then became a huge political contest. And there were a few politicians who got involved on each side, but by and large the politicians stayed out of it. But ordinary people on Facebook and people within corporations and jobs mm. and things. Uh, you had situations where corporations who 
uh, were in favour of equal marriage would tell their staff, uh, we, we, we have a corporate position, so please don't, mm. um, please don't upset the corporate position. And then the staff would do it, and then the staff would be disciplined, and then they would complain that they were being religiously discriminated against. Okay. And, and there would be a very, um, I don't want to say savage, but uh, uh, I don't know if people will understand vociferous, but there was a very strident, perhaps, debate on, some, on things like Facebook, yeah, okay. where anyone who supported a Christian position opposing uh, the introduction of equality and, mm. and we felt just a general rights issue that, that nobody should be opposing. But uh, there are, on Facebook, people do, um, do get needlessly rude sometimes. Yeah. And so there was a lot of people who got hammered for their religious views. So there became a movement among certain parts of this religious people that they needed protection against these terrible secular people who were, who were picking oh, okay. on them, you see. Uh, and so they convinced the government to bring in legislation to protect people from uh, being uh, harassed about their religion, I suppose. They're trying to, that's what they're trying to say it's about. Out of blasphemy. But they have, they have brought in very strange things. So the legislation has not been passed okay. and may never be passed. It's possible because there are... Uh, Elements in the parliament that can that can block unpopular legislation. Okay, but it's kind of a blasphemy law. They want no, no, it's not a blasphemy law. It's it's supposed to protect people from being discriminated out on their religion. But okay, it excludes all religious organisations mm -hmm. are automatically excluded from the legislation. So they are free to religiously discriminate against anyone. But, okay. but if you're not in a religious organisation, you, you cannot discriminate against them. <laughs> so <laughs> okay. so uh, this, is, this is pretty uh, obviously not right. Yeah. Um, now, they're saying it is, they've, they've called it, it's an umbrella, not a sword. So mm -hmm. it's there, they're saying it's there to protect people, not to attack people. Okay. But mm -hmm. uh, it contains things like a corporation cannot sack someone just because they spoke out against corporate policy for, for religious purposes, and they'll count anything as religious. If you yeah. say it's for a religious purpose... It is. It is. Oh, OK. Um, and uh, um, then... Well, you know, obviously everyone in the humanist movement is up in arms about it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's mostly seen as aimed at gay people. OK. Or LB. No, I can't remember all the letters, sorry. Mm. LGBTQTI plus yeah. or something, yeah. yes. And, um, and so people are mostly concerned about that. Though obviously it will be used in all sorts of strange ways. Just, mm. just like a lot of other legislation, you've got to be careful what you wish for because exactly. all sorts of other things happen. So <laughs> it might be that like people who hate Muslims have suddenly found that they, they can't uh, mm. say and do what they wanted to say and do. 
and uh, they can't say... Like, I can remember uh, an occasion years ago where a whole lot of people uh, raised a big fuss about mm. a Muslim school being built in their suburb and held um, demonstrations, or manifestations mm. or whatever you want to call it, out front of this and uh, had spokespeople on, tele uh, on television and so forth and pressured their local government council mm. to uh, not approve the, uh, the mm. thing. And I think they used the excuse that there wasn't sufficient parking provided or something like that. Now, I'm sure this legislation will stop people doing that. Mm. And so they, will, they won't like that, even though they think they support this legislation. <laughs> so I, I'm not here to bash Muslims, but I'm just pointing mm. out that people who think they like this legislation might not like it yeah. in a few yeah. years' time. Yeah. But anyway, the main point is this could be defeated, mm -hmm. but... Just the fact that it exists indicates that even though in your daily life there doesn't seem to be a problem, there's a problem there that could be growing. Yeah. There, there are things that are growing that we have to watch out for. Okay. So um, uh, we have another problem which was brought in by a right-wing government ooh, 15 years ago or so. And it's called Chaplains in Schools. Mm -hmm. And the, the federal government in Australia provides money to schools to hire a school chaplain. Okay. And this is very popular with a certain number of people. And uh, it means, among other things, that the schools can have a reliable supplier of religious instruction mm -hmm. because the churches are finding it harder and harder and harder to get volunteers to do this. And so they're very impressed that they can get somebody paid to be in the school. And these people will, uh, uh, they will home in on students who might have attempted suicide and things like oh, okay. that. Yeah. And, and say, oh, well, they need, need me. But these people, in my opinion, They've done things like Bible study classes. They, they aren't trained psychologists. Mm. They could be quite dangerous in some of these things they do. So um, we're very upset about that. And the, uh, um, the, the thing that they emphasise is that these people can't proselytise. And proselytise is a funny sort of word because it sounds like you can't preach religion to these people. Mm. But proselytise means you can't try to convert them okay. from one Christian denomination to another or from uh, Islam to Christianity mm. or something like that, uh, which is a narrower yeah, it is. definition. Yeah. So people are assured by this word, but it doesn't stop you at all from uh, doing everything up to that point mm. So that you can you can be telling them all about Jesus and and sin and hell and all this kind yeah. of thing and not be proselytizing. So we're we're reassured by a complicated word 
that doesn't mean what a lot of people thinks it means. <laughs> so um, people get shocked by how much preaching is going on in the schools. So, uh, you know, we've been opposed to that for 15 years mm. and have got nowhere. We had somebody, one of our, our uh, prominent people, who won a court case against mm. it, but only on the grounds of the way it was financed. Okay. And, Not and then, the, then the governments all, yeah. did, did agreements to work around that. So um, there's been a determination to keep it going. Okay. on both sides of politics, and um, it's seen as politically popular with a group of people who are among what we call swinging voters, which means they will change from election to election. They'll support so they the left-wing party sometimes wins. and the right-wing yeah. party oh, sometimes. Okay. So keeping them friendly to yourself is valuable to both sides, the left-wing and the right-wing parties. So. It's very hard for us to get uh, change in mm. that. So uh, it's, you can live your life working on ignoring these mm. things, but you have a gnawing, you know, a, a, a sense that this is terribly wrong. Yeah. And you feel in some way oppressed mm. by this. You feel that, that principles of proper government are being breached. Yeah. So uh, I think people can over, overthink how much they feel personally mm. oppressed by this, but then they're right to think it's wrong. Yes, of course. Um, and and people are very keen to campaign against it. Mm. And it, it does absorb a lot of energy mm. for people who are humanists. An issue we had some, uh, some success on, working together uh, with lots of different uh, non-religious groups and things, was pressuring the census office. Uh, the, the statistics office, mm -hmm. which runs a census of the population of Australia, asking people to fill in a form describing all sorts of demography issues, yeah. uh, like their, uh, their wages and uh, um, their education and so forth. Okay. And they also had a question about religion. And this question had originally the kind of things like, were you Catholic, Anglican, mm. Baptist, or other? You know? Other, yeah. <laughs> and we sort of thought, well, we don't want to be other. Yeah. So they, they go on to say no religion or uh, none of the above or something like that. And then that was still at the bottom. Mm. So a lot of people never got to the bottom in ticking these things. <laughs> and so we campaigned for that to be at the top because yeah. we said, well, we think not religious people are the biggest group, so why shouldn't they be at the top? Mm. And so we finally did get that at the top, and uh, there was like a 7% increase in the number of people <laughs> who answered that question That's that funny. way yeah. because it was at the top. Yeah. So we hoped for more like a 10 or 15% increase, but mm. it was still a very good increase, and it now shows that we are the largest religious group 
<laughs> yeah. being non-religious. Live stance group, yeah. <laughs> okay, yes. And, uh, and we see that as a little victory, mm. but um, personally I think that we have a problem that Australian non-religious people and the humanists are, well, I haven't seen that, but they seem a bit lazy mm. <laughs> compared to people <laughs> elsewhere that maybe have more to worry about. But, yeah. um, and so they do things like years ago, the, uh, we, we, we felt we'd solved the problem of um, secular marriages in mm. Australia because legislation was brought in and the government actually set up an organised department to mm. issue licences to people to celebrate secular marriages and, and these would be official marriages mm. and these people had the same powers as Minister of Religion to, to finalise a marriage and this was great and, and humanist people got involved very early but it didn't specify you had to be a humanist no. to do this. And over the several decades, lots of other people saw, well, this is a business opportunity. Mm. And then there were too many. And then the government started restricting yeah. who could get the licence. And there was no, no favouring to the humanist in that no. regard. So even though now I think more than half the religions in Australia are performed by secular celebrants, the, the humanist celebrants are a tiny few of those okay. secular celebrants. So, um, so it's not like in so other I've countries we know where, I, I, yes, where it's, it's specified. It's that a it's case where like I'm, I compare to Scotland, yeah. where, where rather than have uh, um, a government-run secular mm. celebrant thing, they got the humanists reckon, recognised as equivalent to the religions. Yeah. So the humanists could provide their own celebrants mm. and they more or less took over that whole secular celebration issue. So they're getting half the marriages in mm. Scotland now. Yeah. Uh, so I'd recommend anyone to provide, go with the Scottish one, <laughs> even, th even though it looks like more work yeah. because in the end you will get more back. Yeah. Uh, but Australians, as I said, they can be lazy. Uh, and I saw this, <laughs> I, I worked in... in, in um, public libraries and saw the same kind of thing, that people th thought back in the 60s and the 70s that if you get, you get the government to take over a problem, mm. that would fix it forever. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, governments change mm. and uh, people want to move money around and things like that. So it doesn't work out in the long run. If you hand it over to the government, rather than it being a community-based mm. activity, you might find that it just disappears one day. Yeah. Um, so uh, you need not to be lazy. You need to be active as a community mm. organisation and be involved in community organisations. And 100 years ago, a great many things were achieved by community organisations. And then the idea of getting the state to do it seemed such a brilliant idea and people got lazy and now there's a lot of things that are hard to get going. Mm. So we need, we need a lot more volunteers to, to get the, uh, the humanist movement in Australia going again. Okay. And we've had that, we've had a lot of volunteers, but a particular generation is passing on mm. and we need to 
work hard on new generations and so it's not easy. So you need to get more active yes. in Australia. Now, okay. yeah. Um, okay. yeah. I think I've... <laughs> I've covered what I, I want to say. I think we've covered a lot of things, yeah. But it, I think it's a good notion to, to stop the interview, is to, to say thank you, is that you need more active yes. people. Yes, yes. Well, um, thank you very everybody much. Everybody can join. Thank you very much for asking. I didn't <laughs> know I had so much to say. <laughs> thank you for um, letting me visit you and talk to you. It was nice. Thank you. This was my talk with Mary. Coming up is my talk with John. And maybe you can uh, present yourself. Okay, yes. Well, my name's John August. I'm one of the vice presidents of the New South Wales Humanists. I mm -hmm. was formerly a, a president. I'm also involved in the Pirate Party of Australia. Um, I, I host a, a weekly community radio show out of Marrickville in Sydney. Uh, I have quite an interest in science and geology and industrial heritage. I've delivered talks on industrial heritage. Uh, so, and I suppose obviously I've got myself involved in science and humanism and so on along the way. Okay, and how did you become a humanist? Okay, well going back quite some time ago, I guess my parents, my family uh, were into Catholicism but not particularly uh, uh, worked up about it, I suppose you might say, basically went into church for Christmas and Easter. Okay. So, uh, so I don't think they were ever particularly religious, though there was the sentiment that, you know, God existed and okay, we give him an odd sort of thing. And I think my uncle in Wollongong, my mother's brother, was a bit more serious about religion than my mother ever was. But certainly towards her, her later stage, you might say, my mother effectively became an atheist. So okay. I was brought up in what might have been called a, a nominally... Uh, uh, normally vaguely Catholic household mm -hmm. um, but along the way I suppose I developed an interest in science and that particular sort of science was more um, you know nuclear reactors and space travel and this sort of <laughs> stuff and you know as to why I developed that interest you just have to take that as a given it was mm. something that somehow resonated with me but at that time there was no particular conflict with my religious beliefs Okay. Uh, so, so that was what happened at that stage. Now, somewhere along the way, I guess there was the whole thing of life on Earth with David Attenborough that was on TV. I think uh, David Bellamy was another person there. In spite of the fact that my interest was, as I say, in space travel, nuclear reactors, those sorts of things, mm -hmm. I did develop quite a, a fascination for that side of science, you know, biology, evolution and so on. So that's all quite interesting and fascinating. Yeah. And then somewhere at school, now at school there were actually uh, Christian fellowships. And on the one hand I was nominally, I guess, a sort of a vague sort of Christian believer, but I did go along to these uh, Christian fellowships at school. And I have to admit I didn't have terribly good social skills, so when you go along to a Christian group you can access, I guess, a community, a community of people who... You know, ideally you get along. So you belong them. to a group. Yeah, yeah, you belong to a group mm. and that's sort of one way of accessing that. Yeah. And as I say, some of these Christian groups were more Protestant than they were Catholic and you actually had people in them who were uh, of the creationist stripe. Mm -hmm. And the thing about Catholicism is Catholicism does try to reconcile uh, evolution and God, so at least within the nominal scope of uh, Catholicism, it's not really an issue. Mm -hmm. But through some of these Christian fellowships, I 
got to know people who were sort of proclaiming the virtues of um, creationism. Yeah. And that was sort of a, a source of tension that I guess these Christians were outside of the, the Christianity I was used to, mm -hmm. who were sort of pushing for, you know, the worth of creationism and also devaluing evolution. As I say, till that point, I'd never really dwelt on any conflict myself. No. But when they started to point this out to me, rather than drawing myself towards a version of Christianity that was creationistic, it sort of ended up pushing me away from oh, okay. yeah. away from from Christianity full stop because mm. I thought, well, hang on, uh, you know, evolution makes sense, mm. science makes sense, uh, and along the way, I suppose there are the, there were the other things that also happened. I think you know you start to reflect about the nature of prayer. If God doesn't answer your prayer, why are you bothering? Mm. How is this a useful mm. concept? You know, that sort of didn't make sense. And I think there was an experience somewhere along the way similar to uh, Murray where all these Christians were sort of encouraging me to, you know, become much more serious about my relationship with God and, you know, become a much, much stronger Christian. Mm -hmm. And there was a time when I thought, all right, God, I'll, I'll now be a, a mm. Christian. You know, I, I'm willing to sort of embrace mm. that. Yeah. And I guess just like with, with Murray, it didn't, wasn't like my perceptions changed no. as a result of my internal change. I mean, metaphorically, I swipped a, flipped, flipped a switch inside myself mm. and nothing changed yeah. that I noticed. So between all those things, that sort of, I guess, pushed me away from Christianity mm -hmm. uh, into what you might call science and evolution. Yeah. Uh, but what, what else happened along the way? There was a group, organised group of uh, organised sceptics. Now, uh, with, with, with me uh, being interested in science, you know, not, not, not so good at communicating, I discovered uh, the sceptics and they were actually thinking about and talking about the sort of things that I guess I was interested in. Mm -hmm. So I guess I'm preempting one of the questions that uh, you ask Murray, yeah. but you might say, what is it like being a Christian? For mm -hmm. me, I never felt an outcast through being a Christian. No. I more felt an outcast through being the person who is into books and is into science and those sorts of things, okay. where none yeah. of the people I really hung around were very much into that. Whether I was religious or they were religious was never much of an issue. It was it, more the science part. It was, it was more sort of being a bush, bookish, nerdish, sciencey yeah. sort yeah. of person as compared to the people around me who weren't. Mm -hmm. So when I first discovered the sceptics, it was sort of like a breath of fresh air. Mm -hmm. But, you know, not going into too many details, I did have some very bad experiences in the sceptics. Okay. And I was sort of looking around for other groups to become involved in. And I recognised that it was more... Um, uh, uh, that, that basically the bad experiences I had in the sceptics took me towards the humanists. And mm -hmm. one of the things about the humanists at the time was not so much that it was religion as compared to not religion. Uh, shall we say they were more into the social sciences. Um, mm. And the thing about the sceptics was that the sentiment was more charlatan of the weak, I suppose you'd say. Oh, okay. You know, you know, the anti-vaxxers are wrong, 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 don't mm -hmm. we know that? The anti-fluoridators are wrong, 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 oh, don't okay. we know that? Yeah. And they did try to talk about philosophy, they did try to talk about religion, but the sceptics also, they, they tried to steer away from scrutinising religion that strongly, believing mm. in personal freedom and that sort of thing. So the 
humanists did actually provide something that was a bit more relaxed and mellow mm. and when the humanists think about philosophy when the humanists think about religion somehow it feels more legitimate to me yeah, okay. while the skeptics focus on charlatan of the week or charlatan of the month mm. and when they talk about philosophy or religion it's a bit more forced it's not really what they're about i guess you would say Oh, well, okay. certainly this idea of embracing science, embracing evolution and so on, there's a bit of that going on mm. with the sceptics as well. Oh, yeah. so, so I guess rather than the, uh, the, the, the sceptics, the humanists were a place to sort of to, 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 to become a part of, to become a part of a group greater than myself. And so over time I did get onto the committee and then over time I did become the president. Mm -hmm. And the paradoxical thing was somewhere along the way I wanted to become vice president. But I actually found that the competition for vice president was actually stronger than the competition for president. <laughs> okay. So it, it's one of those weird committees. Different committees have different mm. you know, feelings to them. But at the time, uh, it seemed like I'd actually be more successful trying to become president than I would be trying to become vice president. And <laughs> as for why I particularly wanted to become president, I, I, I'd, I'd have to sort of hunt my brain to try to figure out why I wanted to sort of develop mm. within the uh, within the humanists. Partially mm -hmm. it was because I guess I wanted to try to do some good myself and maybe I was trying to compensate for the bad experiences that I had in the sceptics. Mm. But unfortunately about the time I became president was also the time that we had these uh, people trying to take over the group as well. Yeah. And that was sort of a, a very difficult time. So, um, but uh, that's... That's sort of the experience I've had that has sort of brought me to this. And then over time, I guess I sort of ran out of steam and then another person took over as president mm. and now finally we have uh, Murray as president. So yeah. uh, you've heard what Murray's had to say and I guess I can sort of see where he's coming from that he's approaching things from what you might call more of a, I don't know, a soft social sciences point of view rather yeah. than believing strongly in, you know, these people are wrong and sort of believing in outreach and that mm. sort of thing. Yeah. So, um, so that's so. Well, I suppose that's sort of more or less what's brought me to where I am. I suppose I, I was interested in uh, evolution. I did actually develop quite an interest in evolutionary psychology. I gave some talks on it I, in our local okay. radio, uh, public radio station, Radio National. There's one of my talks that was broadcast there. So that was something of an achievement. But mm. you know, I've also more recently taken interest in industrial heritage and geology and so on. I guess they don't have a great deal to do with, with humanism. But uh, <laughs> there's also our annual Darwin Day event that I've sort of you know, been involved with. Okay. So but that sort of gives you a, a bit of an idea of um, you know, what's, where brought me, yeah. where, where, what's brought me to here. Yeah, but, and, and you, as you said, you weren't really challenged by being religious or non-religious, it was more the bookish yes, things that's right. that was a challenge for you. Yeah. Um, and in general, it's you don't see it's not that challenge. We've talked about it before that it's uh, you can be a non-believer in Australia, but there are some structural things in uh, the Australian society where. Yes. What I'd say is it's very easy to be an atheist and mm. do what you want to do. Yeah. But to for. I guess atheists or humanists as an organised group to be taken seriously mm. by some of the institutions in our society, that is hard. Yeah. So I think you'd say the the group is like marginalised, I suppose, but individuals are not disempowered. Okay. Yeah. So you you need to uh, you you need to be taken seriously. 
That's right. Yeah. That that's one of the things I think we're we're missing out on in that yeah. that in terms of being taken seriously, the religious groups have a certain amount of privilege. Yeah. But it, it's also a bit more subtle than that. I think I mentioned in mm. a separate discussion mm. with you that um, <coughs> organised humanism in Australia is not taken seriously by the media, even though yeah. if we post and stuff to it's open. really strange. Why do you think it's like that? Um, Do you have an explanation, or well, we that, that that's the thing. It is it is hard to figure out that uh, you know some ex one explanation is that we don't write good enough letters. I would like to think that's not the case, and yeah. it's not just me, but many other people who have struggled to be listened to. Mm -hmm. um, and another thing is that we may well have just a tradition of people who are editors of the letters page in newspapers who just don't take us seriously. Now that could be because they're Christians themselves, mm. or in some sense, they believe that we're a spent force, and okay. that that we're not a significant player in society, and that they you're don't too small actually. Perhaps maybe. we're too yeah. small, or something like that. Um, I mean, those are things that that I would speculate mm. on. But put that to one side. There's, as as I say, there's individuals writing letters about humanist ideas or humanist values and not particularly identifying as humanist, but mm -hmm. using the sort of arguments we would put forward. And you could say, we do not have a monopoly on reason. It's just no. the, the way we sort of collect things together as a package and we try to pre present mm. that package. Yeah. And I think there you could say we have a, a unique collection or a unique package, but no particular, idea, mm. no particular ideas in that uh, are something we have a monopoly on. Yeah. And so... But, but what I've also said is while individual letters to the editor can get in that talk about topics that we are sympathetic to, mm. the fact remains that in terms of, uh, be it stuff on TV or, uh, or in the newspapers, it's the religious commentators that seem to have first bite of the cherry. Yeah. And it's very rare that you actually get uh, you know, basically commentators of an atheist or humanist variety that really get a look in. Very occasionally you will get people who, in a sense, are already public figures and maybe they will get a look in and be able to talk about these things. But that's more because... But they have to be famous for something but, else. But basically they can, they're yeah. public figures first. Yeah. And then the, then the media will put microphones in front of them when they start to talk about atheist or humanist okay. issues. Yeah. You really get... I can't really think of anybody who, in a sense, was an atheist or humanist first and not a public figure mm -hmm. uh, who, who gets much media coverage here. Okay, that's kind of... It's interesting. It's really different from, from Denmark, where we no. are actually are in the media and present and our president is interviewed frequently. Yeah, uh, so it's uh, it's really odd thinking about it from my perspective, I would yeah. say. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but um, thank you very much. It was interesting to hear your story as well. Okay, thank all right. Well, well, thank you. Well, in, enjoy the rest of your stay in Australia yeah. and the rest of your trip around the world. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. In order to continue the podcast, I need funding. Remember, you can support Babelfish by becoming a Patreon. You can follow Babelfish on Facebook and Instagram. You'll find the links in the episode description. Until next time, be a happy human.